Just below the cloverleaf in the ruined motel, the three girls are waiting for me. Undoubtedly, something is about to happen. Or is it that something has stopped happening? Is it that God has at last removed his blessing from the USA, and what we feel now is just the clank of the old historical machinery, the sudden jerking ahead of the roller coaster cars as the chain catches hold and carries us back into history with its ordinary catastrophes, carries us out and up toward the brink from that felicitous and privileged siding, where even unbelievers admitted that if it was not God who blessed the USA, then at least some great good luck had befallen us, and that now the blessing or the luck is over, the machinery clanks and the chain catches hold, and the cars jerk forward? It is still hot as mid-afternoon. The sky is a clear rinsed cobalt after the rain. Wet pine growth reflects the sunlight like steel knitting needles. The grove steams and smells of turpentine. Far away the thunderhead, traveling fast, humps over on the horizon like a troll. Directly above, a hawk balances on a column of air rising from the concrete geometry of the cloverleaf. Not a breath stirs. The young pine I am sitting against has a tumor and is bowed to fit my back. I am sweating and broken out in hives from drinking gin fizzes, but otherwise quite comfortable. This spot, on the lower reaches of the southwest cusp, was chosen carefully. From it I command three directions of the interstates, and by leaning over the lip of the culvert can look through to the fourth, eastern approach. Traffic is light, an occasional milk tanker and produce trailer. The hawk slants off in a long, flat glide toward the swamp. From the angle of its wings one can tell it is a marsh hawk. One of the roof tiles of the motel falls and breaks on the concrete. The orange roof of the Howard Johnson Motel reminds me of the three girls in rooms 203, 204, and 205. Thoughts of the girls and the coming catastrophe cause my scalp to tingle with a peculiar emotion. If the catastrophe occurs, I stand a good chance, knowing what I know about it, of surviving it. So do the girls. Surviving with one girl who likes you is not such a bad prospect. But surviving with three girls, all of whom like you and each of whom detests the other two, is both horrible and pleasant certainly enough to make one's scalp tingle with a peculiar emotion. Another reason for the prickling sensation is that the hives are worse. Fiery wheels bloom on my neck. My scalp feels airy and quilted, and now and then pops a hair root like a dirigible, popping its hawsers one by one. These are bad times. Principalities and powers are everywhere victorious. Wickedness flourishes in high places. There is a clearer and more present danger, however— for I have reason to believe that within the next two hours an unprecedented fallout of noxious particles will settle hereabouts, and perhaps other places as well. It is a catastrophe whose cause and effects and prevention are known only to me. The effects of the evil particles are psychic rather than physical. They do not burn the skin and rot the marrow. Rather do they inflame and worsen the secret ills of the spirit and drive the very self from itself. If a man is already prone to anger, he'll go mad with rage. If he lives affrighted, he will quake with terror. If he's already abstracted from himself, he'll be sundered from himself and roam the world like Ishmael. Here in my pocket is the very means of inoculating persons against such an eventuality, or of curing them, should it overtake them. Yet so far only four persons have been inoculated, myself and the three girls yonder in the motel. Just below me, abutting the deserted shopping plaza, rises the yellow brick barn and silo of St. Michael's. A surprisingly large parish it was, big enough to rate a Monsignor. But the church is empty now, abandoned five years ago. 
The stained glass is broken out. Cliff swallows nest in the fenestry of its concrete screen. Our Catholic Church here split into three pieces. One, the American Catholic Church, whose new Rome is Cicero, Illinois. Two, the Dutch schismatics who believe in relevance but not God. Three, the Roman Catholic remnant, a tiny scattered flock with no place to go. The American Catholic Church, which emphasizes property rights and the integrity of neighborhoods, retained the Latin Mass and plays the Star-Spangled Banner at the elevation. The Dutch schismatics in this area comprise several priests and nuns who left Rome to get married. They threw in with the Dutch schismatic Catholics. Now several divorced priests and nuns are importuning the Dutch cardinal to allow them to remarry. The Roman Catholics hereabouts are scattered and demoralized. The one priest, an obscure curate, who remained faithful to Rome, could not support himself and had to hire out as a fire-watcher. It is his job to climb the fire-tower by night and watch for brush-fires below and for signs and portents in the skies. I, for example, am a Roman Catholic, albeit a bad one. I believe in the Holy Catholic, Apostolic, and Roman Church, in God the Father, in the election of the Jews, in Jesus Christ, His Son, our Lord, who founded the Church on Peter, His first vicar, which will last until the end of the world. Some years ago, however, I stopped eating Christ in communion, stopped going to Mass, and have since fallen into a disorderly life. I believe in God and the whole business, but I love women best, music and science next, whiskey next, God fourth, and my fellow man hardly at all. Generally, I do as I please. A man wrote John who says he believes in God and does not keep his...